Welcome to another episode of the Cook, Eat, Nourish podcast with me, Fiona Staunton of Fiona's Food for Life. Today, I'm talking with Rachel Graham, the menopause nutritionist, about her new book, Menomorphous, the Cookbook. During this episode, we will talk about the Meno 8 nutrients, the dosages that you would need of each of these nutrients, and also the recipes, in particular, some of Rachel's favourite recipes. Make sure you listen to the end to find out her top tips to live a healthier life. And also you will find the link to her book in the show notes, as well as her resource, 10 Menopause Hacks. As usual, I would love if you would rate and review the podcast. It helps it be seen by more people. I hope you enjoy it. So welcome, Rachel. Thank you so much for joining me today. You're very welcome. I'm delighted to be here. Excited. Fantastic. Um, would you mind introducing yourself to my audience, first of all, please? Yes, I'd love to. So my name is Rachel Graham and I am a nutritional therapist. I'm a practicing nutritional therapist. Um, I'm an also a medicinal chef. Uh, I'm a qualified menopause educator from the British Menopause Charity. And I'm also a cookbook author. Fantastic. And that's what I'm dying to talk to you about today, which uh, your cookbook that you have recently launched. Um, so would you mind telling me, first of all, I always love asking the question, uh, how did you arrive in menopause? Um, kind of unaware, I suppose, like most women, um, I'm relatively unprepared. You know, you're going along living your life um, and uh, just hadn't really crossed my mind. And I think that honestly, that's what I hear from most of my clients, that they just feel unprepared, taken unawares. Um, I suppose I quickly started joining the dots and realized that these were all menopausal symptoms. And at first you're a little bit shocked thinking, no, I can't be menopausal. Not yet. I'm too young. Um, but actually, you know, we are of, in, in perimenopause, really from our very early 40s. And for some women, they experience it obviously very differently to others. Um, but for me, I, thankfully, my symptoms weren't too bad. Um, however, I was in the middle of what they call, I suppose, a big midlife pivot from running a food business to deciding to actually go back and retrain. So I went and I went, I was in the middle of a four year college degree and um, I was experiencing brain fog and I was experiencing uh, just some weight gain and a few other little bits and pieces and I suddenly realized that this is what was happening to me so I started to personalize my nutrition and this is essentially what I do now with my own clients and I realized that by personalizing my nutrition according to my symptoms that I was able to actually improve my symptom management so that's kind of how I arrived I would say unaware a little bit shocked a little bit in denial <laughs> but um, managed to kind of um, smooth the the bumpy ride uh, by using nutrition as kind of my let's say weapon of choice fantastic music to my ears would you mind letting me know what age roughly were you when at this stage um I was kind of 43 um okay or nearly nearly 44 and uh so it wasn't a as I said like it wasn't that you know from one day to the next suddenly I was well and then the next day I was unwell there was these kind of creeping symptoms niggling kind of small health issues and um, I think that that is very typical at this life stage because all of the wear and tear that we've probably experienced over our lifetime suddenly becomes apparent. And I would say 
ignore it at your peril because these things unfortunately just compound and if you don't sit up and take notice and do something about them then you know at worst you can get sick and at best you can just kind of not feel like yourself but essentially both um outcomes will negatively impact your quality of life so you'll start just you know just maybe experiencing the other menopausal symptoms that are very typical like low mood and maybe anxiety, uh, weight gain, uh, frustration, anger, or, and then all the physical symptoms. So, um, you know, I thankfully it wasn't too bad, but um, I was definitely going to try and nip it in the bud at that point. Sure. Look, I think it's just important to to talk about the age because I find that people think that, OK, it's once I'm past 50, that's when it will start no, uh, impacting. Good. But um, yeah, so that's great. OK, so now we go on to your book, Menomorphous, the cookbook. Why did you decide to write this book and how long did it take you to write, I suppose, is another interesting area. Yeah, so I wanted to write the cookbook because for me, um, food is very much my um, my 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 approach to managing most um, you know health related uh, issues. So, in my practice, I see time and time again women who are just struggling unnecessarily um, as a result of poor nutrition. And um, often it's a combination of poor nutrition choices and also being um, really just not prepared or not organized. And you can probably relate to this, um, Fiona, because, you know, you run your very successful uh, cooking classes and you're helping women to kind of get organized and improve their diet. And I essentially am kind of doing the same thing. It's a it's a combination of the two. So I found myself really repeating myself a lot. And and I thought, you know what, there's a huge resource missing here as a kind of a, a very important tool that could be a big part of your menopause toolkit in order to effectively manage symptoms. So I wanted to create, I started with a cookbook in mind, and then it literally kind of grew legs. So I realized that all of the nutritional recommendations that I was making, I needed to explain also, um, and not only explain them, but also back up any health claims with some really good evidence-based information in the form of additional uh, research studies um, that you know would back up what I was saying. So it just grew and grew and grew into this 400 page medicinal cookbook with over 100 medicinal recipes um, all nutritionally analyzed um, for to track 16 key nutrients. So it's just been this absolute whopper, as my husband would call it, of a, of a project. Um, and it should have taken me about 18 months to complete. Um, but thankfully, I had quite a lot of the recipes already developed because they were ones that I was already using myself. So um, I was able to shorten the, uh, the, the project, I suppose, considerably as a result of that. So it ended up taking me about six months. Wow. OK, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, and am I right in saying so for people who don't have the book in front of them, uh, one of the th it's, it's quite heavy is one yes. thing you'll certainly notice. Yeah, um, yeah. Each recipe has a full page picture. Yeah. Uh, each recipe, as you mentioned, has the, the color coded uh, nutritional content and the text is slightly uh, larger, which I think a lot of people appreciate with with yeah, for sure. eyesight. Yes. But um, am I right in saying you did the photographs all yourself as well? I did. Yes. Thank you for uh, pointing wow. that out, uh, Fiona. I know I hadn't intended to do it. So it just kind of happened when I suddenly that kind of 
cold realization came over me that, oh my goodness, you know, I would literally have to ask a photographer to move in with me um, mm. in order to be able to photograph all of these recipes, because it's not just about photographing, all that food has to be bought, prepared, cooked, and, and, and then also styled essentially for a, a cookbook shoot. So I realized I was gonna have to do it myself. Now, I do quite enjoy food styling and I have done a little bit, I mean, I mean a tiny amount of it. It's definitely not my, my job, um, but I got quite into it. So um, I ended up kind of really enjoying this part of the process. And um, I, yeah, I'm delighted actually with the outcome. Um, and, you know, it's, it's great that I was able to provide a photograph for every single recipe because actually when I was kind of, I did a couple of little polls with my own clients asking them, you know, what kind of things do you want to see in a cookbook? What's important to you? And quite a few of them came back saying, I want a photograph for every recipe. I want to know what I'm aiming for. I want to know what's essentially it should look like um, when it, you know, when it turned out perfectly. So, um, because quite a lot of cookbooks don't have a photograph for, per page. So, and obviously this is what, um, um, you know, cause it to be such a big book. So it's, uh, you know, 400. Well pages. done. It's I mean, it's it's hard trying to take all the photos and do all the food and everything. So yeah. so well done. Amazing job on that. It is uh, really you. tricky to do. I, I wouldn't recommend it, Fiona. <laughs> it's it's actually just way too much. But, you know, it was kind of, you know, once you started it, I had to complete it. So um, but I'm glad that the that the photographs turned out really well, because that's something that I'm actually aside from everything else. I'm quite proud of in the book, um, you know, because it is not something, as I said, that I'm really even trained to do. So I'm happy about that. That was a, a happy accident, put it that way. <laughs> well done so the the book is laid out um one of the things that I like about the book is that you've laid it out of the the menno ace nutrients yeah. which we mm -hmm. can delve into in a minute yeah. but do you want to maybe touch on part two of the book there to let people know what you have in there future proofing your health uh, part two of the book yeah so basically I talk about in part two um all about the different chronic health conditions that we are unfortunately at an increased risk of um, at this life stage. And that is independent of our, our diet, our dietary choices, and also our lifestyle choices. Just as a result of that decline in estrogen that we all experience at this life stage, we just unfortunately are at this increased risk of uh, cardiovascular disease, osteoporosis, type 2 diabetes, and dementia. So this was a key part of the book for me that I wanted to highlight and um, and also just to make women aware that it is yet another reason to prioritize your nutrition, because nutrition is a really key um, tool in order to be able to reduce your risk factors and to make you aware of that, because too often we are reliant on um, medications and uh, just like a pill for every ill, that whole kind of um, um, mindset. And I wanted to make you aware of the fact that all of these, I call them the big four uh, chronic health conditions are all lifestyle related, which basically means that they can be um, effectively managed or even reduced or eradicated through good uh, diet and, and nutrition habits. So um, that was a, a big part of, you know, making women aware of, for example, a lot of women at this life stage are really um, very concerned and anxious about breast cancer. 
However, our statistics show us that more women die from cardiovascular disease than breast cancer. And cardiovascular disease in the form of elevated cholesterol or blood pressure is something that's very effectively managed using uh, uh, nutrition. So um, and so just optimizing your diet in order to be able to reduce your cholesterol, reduce your blood pressure and to, you know, for heart healthy choices. And um, that's all very doable. So, um, yeah, so this whole part of the book was, uh, I suppose, highlighting those uh, health concerns that we are all kind of faced with um, and also talking about, I think, the the, the dreaded um, weight gain that we all experience um, that is can be very frustrating and can contribute to, uh, unfortunately, low mood and anxiety and, and everything else, making us kind of very easy prey for fad diets and, and you know, resolving to or um, uh, just finding ourselves maybe, um, what's the word I'm looking for, just uh, in a new body? <laughs> yeah, just just really trying to just doing really drastic, taking drastic measures in order to try and uh, get rid of the weight gain. So I wanted to highlight all the things that are potential triggers and drivers for these conditions and what you can do in order to um, reduce your risks and also alleviate any of that um, frustrating weight gain. Perfect. So, I mean, I think we could probably go into a podcast episode all on its own there. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> I won't delve exactly. into any of those too much deeper. But would you mind telling us what you see as the Menno 8 nutrients? Yeah, so I've laid the book out into different categories. So eight categories um, of nutrients. And instead of uh, dividing the book up into the, I suppose, standard starters, main course, desserts, snacks, things like that, I have divided the book up into um, these eight different nutrient categories. And these are phytoestrogens, fiber, omega-3s, calcium and magnesium, antioxidants, protein, probiotics, and brassicas. So those are my eight categories. And within those eight categories, then you have all types of recipes from snack options to starters, to breakfast options, to lunch options, dinner options, including plant-based options and um, you know uh, recipes with, with meat and fish. So if, for example, you maybe have a history of osteoporosis in your family, i.e. your mom had it, maybe your grandmother had it, um, you would find yourself likely as a result of that with an increased risk factor for osteoporosis. So naturally, you are going to be more aware of including higher quantities of calcium in your diet. And we're all kind of nearly pre-programmed to just look at uh, dairy sources as the optimum calcium source. But in fact, there's you know many other alternatives to um, increasing your calcium intake apart from just relying on animal sources of, of calcium as in from uh, cow's milk dairy. So I have, you know, in that calcium and magnesium section, you've got lots of recipes that contain calcium rich food sources and options, which I think is great because it introduces you to a whole new, um, uh, you know, selection of recipes that are going to optimize your calcium intake. And not only that, but in each category, I have highlighted what is the optimum and effective dose of that particular nutrient. So in the case of calcium, we know that we need 1200 milligrams of calcium per day, but you never really know, are you getting enough calcium in what you're eating? 
So how do I know if I'm getting enough? So this is why I decided to do all of the nutritional information for each recipe. So the bottom of each recipe, you'll see a bar chart. And the bar chart is tracking 16 nutrients. One of them is calcium. And you will see at a glance the information that you need because it's very colorful. It's very easy to understand. And you're, you're actually getting the weight of calcium of that particular recipe of the serving size um, or portion size. Um, but you're also getting your percentage of your RDA or of your, or of your recommended daily amount. So you know exactly how much calcium you're getting from that particular recipe. And then if you combine it with other calcium rich recipes, then you know that you're going to be hitting your recommended daily amount of calcium in order to reduce your risk of osteoporosis and avoid even osteopenia, which is the precursor to osteoporosis. So this is a really effective tool, and that's what I wanted the book to be. So not just a book full of tasty, healthy recipes, which it is, and that's kind of like the hook, but it's actually a book that you can use as an effective tool to improve your health. Great. And um, Rachel, with, say, for example, the calcium and magnesium section, what would be your favorite recipe in that section? Oh, let me have a look. Um, I mean, I saw that question and I was thinking, how do I choose? It's like asking me to choose <laughs> a favorite child. Um, but I'd have to say I love the minestrone bean stew. And that's because it's so comforting and warming and it's something that keeps well in the fridge. So you make a big pot of it and it'll last for a couple of days. Um, it has kale and and spinach and also lots of beans and lentils so it's a protein rich source as well it's just a really nice um recipe it's really really tasty and i think it, it works for both adults and for kids and you know i have had some clients who've said look i blended it for my kid and that's absolutely fine as well um also the kale in there that would be the kind of the leafy green calcium source exactly right? and actually Cooked kale um, has yields more calcium than raw kale. So when you cook your kale, you're actually going to be able to absorb more calcium than if it, you were consuming it raw. And that's not to say don't consume it raw, but just in order to kind of um, to increase those levels even further. I would. That's why I add the kale in. Yeah. Okay, so if we were to jump over to the phytoestrogens, one of um, my favorites, but from a, a nutritional point of view. Would you like to explain what they are and also your favorite recipe from that section? Okay. Um, well, phytoestrogens um, are, um, I think, probably number one on my list of recommended foods, um, not just here in the men age, but generally for women in menopause, because they contain a beneficial nutrient property known as isoflavones. And you can get isoflavones from soy products. So that would be tofu and soy milk and miso and, and uh, ingredients like that, but also from the plant-based world from flaxseed and chia seeds. Uh, flaxseed being the main, most researched uh, plant-based source of isoflavones, and they contain an ingredient known as lignans. And lignans are really beneficial to helping you to balance your hormones. And isoflavones um, are, they kind of mimic the, the function of your own uh, estrogen that you produce yourself. So um, even if you are uh, taking HRT or if you are um, worried about increasing your overall levels of estrogen, um, 
isoflavones won't do that. They actually won't increase your estrogen levels. What they will do is they they actually have this very mild kind of anti-estrogenic effect, which basically means that they can help to uh, reduce the um, the impact of old circulating estrogen and therefore reduce your risk of cancers. So it's really important to include um, plenty of phytoestrogen containing foods in your diet. So as I was saying, that would be from soy products and always choose organic soy because um, it hasn't been genetically modified and it is really beneficial for you. So you can choose organic soy milk, organic tofu, and um, tofu is also an amazing um, source of calcium. So not only is it high in protein, in plant proteins, and in also those isoflavones, but it's also a great source of calcium. So it's great for your bones. So one of the recipes that I really like, and I start people off on, let's say, on their kind of tofu journey, is the scrambled tofu. Because tofu is one of those ingredients that is tasteless and textureless. So it's kind of gross. And I totally understand that the amount of my clients that come to me and say, can't do tofu, N -n -n not going to happen. And I go, OK, I understand that. So let's start with something that is going to be easy for you to introduce. So that's where the um, tofu scramble comes in, because you're not reliant on texture and you're going to add so much flavor into it that it's going to taste really, really good. So I love the tofu scramble. It's a really great um protein rich, calcium rich, um, savory breakfast option or lunch option. You could have it at any time of the day. Um, so that's one that I would recommend that you start with. And um, you're, you're, I, uh, anyone who I've recommended it to has really enjoyed it. So, and then and there's plenty of other recipes there as well. So, you know, one of my uh, other kind of dinner recipe favorites would be the roasted aubergine in Voltini. So this is a typical Italian recipe using aubergines um, and you make a really nice roasted Mediterranean vegetable um, tray bake. And then you add the tofu into that and you stuff the involtini, which are the roasted aubergine um, slices with that filling and then cover it in a really nice uh, roasted red pepper and tomato sauce. And you bake it in the oven kind of like cannelloni. It's fabulous. And it's plant based, uh, phytoestrogen rich. It's a great recipe. Mm, sounds delicious. Now, Rachel, we're both based in Ireland. One of the things that you were mentioning about always making sure that you have organic soy. I'd be a big fan of edamame beans, which is yeah. the, the baby soybean. Where do you source organic edamame beans? Well, I was I buy them frozen. Um, shelled, uh, frozen and shelled, uh, usually from the um, Asian supermarkets or any of those kind of ethnic supermarkets is a good place to buy the edamame beans. Um, I know that in the UK, you can get them in Sainsbury's frozen um, as well in their um, frozen food section. So those would be the two places, my two go-to places to, to get them. But is it important to get those as organic? Because I don't think I've come across them as no. organic. No, no, um, I no, not at all. It's okay. fine as they are. Yeah. Okay, perfect. So uh, what uh, one of the eight would you like to choose next? We've done the phytoestrogens and the calcium magnesium. <laughs> Let's do one more. Um, fiber. I mean, it's definitely my favorite nutrient. Okay. Yep. Um, so what would you like to know? What's your favorite recipe in that section? Okay. Um, 
Oh, you're really asking me the tough questions. <laughs> um, there's so many, really. Um, the let me see. The vegan parable is amazing, and uh, there's an awful lot of ingredients in that. But again, it keeps really, really well in the fridge, and it's a great option for a hearty lunch, especially if you are doing any kind of endurance activity afterwards. So if you're planning on going for a long walk. Um, it's it's a great option. So it's just absolutely packed with uh, fiber. Uh, the other one that I really like um, and I think is a great snack option is the apple donuts. Love that one too. Um, so that's basically where you core an apple. So remove the center, slice them, uh, slice it into kind of thin rounds and then spread homemade almond butter on top. So there's a recipe in the book for homemade almond butter. It's actually in the calcium magnesium section and it's really lovely and very easy to make. Um, and you just spread that on top of the apple donuts. So you've got a combination there of the fiber in the apple with the pectin uh, in, combined with the uh, almond butter, which is rich in uh, plant proteins and also essential fats. Um, so you've got a great protein fiber combination there. And then you can top it with things like goji berries or a little bit of desiccated coconut. It's so tasty. It's something that transports really well also. And I know the kids love it too, as well as adults, big kids. And sounds like something you'd make really quickly. Yeah, it is. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. All about less time in the kitchen. Hmm. So um, a lot of those eight sections are, are areas that I would look at as well. But one of them I'm curious about, you've got the brassica, you've got those separated out in their own section. Can you tell me, first of all, I suppose, confirm to my audience what exactly is included in that and um, why you chose to do it on, on its own section? Uh, yeah, I mean, brassicas are basically a family of vegetables that are a part of the cruciferous vegetable family. So cruciferous vegetables are broccoli, cauliflower, kale, Brussels sprouts, um, and also things like alfalfa sprouts. So the little microgreens and broccoli sprouts. So they're all part of the what's known as the brassica family, um, cabbage being the head of the brassica family. So the benefit of including brassicas is that they have powerful anti-cancer properties. And these pro anti-cancer properties are known as glucosinolates. And there's three compounds contained in those. And each different type of cruciferous vegetable would contain different types of those glucosinolates. So you may have heard of DIM, which is dindol methane. And dindol methane is a really powerful anti-cancer property that also is very effective for our detoxification processes and upregulating those. So it's very important um, as uh, for women um, that we are, our, our liver is functioning optimally and that our detoxification processes are functioning optimally. And in order to do so, they require specific nutrients. And if those nutrients are missing, then we're not detoxifying effectively. And essentially what's happening is that toxins are able to build up in our body over time, and that can contribute to our increased cancer risk. So this is why I wanted to make a section all on its own um, about brassicas and how powerful they are. And, you know, uh, to include recipes that contain cauliflower, broccoli, cabbage, 
Brussels sprouts. So, you know, there's one of each or two of each of those uh, recipes contained in this section, just to highlight the importance of including, um, you know, these types of vegetables in your diet and just how beneficial they can be for um, future-proofing our health. Wow. Okay. So, if I were to really simplify it, and correct me if I'm wrong, are you saying that if you don't include those vegetables, then the toxins can build up in your body? Yeah. And well, okay. it's just that your your uh, liver is really kind of struggling to detoxify. So it's okay. kind of it's working. It's kind of like a spluttering car. Think of it like that. Okay. It's not really functioning optimally. So every single day you, you need to be including at least two portions of brassicas in your diet. And you can do that like by just simply adding things like even, you know, uh, broccoli into a smoothie. You know, if you're if you know that you're not going to be able to get it in dinner or in lunch or whatever it is. So adding those vegetables in as often as possible, substituting things like cauliflower rice for pasta or rice, regular rice, you know, if you're serving a curry or a kind of a one pot meal. So getting your brassicas in as much as possible because they are so beneficial. OK, lovely. So. If I always ask my guests to tell me three different, uh, the three top tips to improve one's health. So I know you've already given us loads of tips, yeah, but maybe your yeah. three are going to be a summary of these. What would you say if you had, you know, one minute to give three top tips to someone, what would you say? Um, just to try and simplify things for yourself. Don't try and do too much at once. So um, to kind of build on what you're doing. So maybe... Uh, set yourself up and your environment, set your environment up to um, to be conducive to making healthier choices. So that would be things like um, drinking water first thing in the morning. When you wake up, think of yourself as a plant. You need to rehydrate. So get your liter of water in straight away. So if you're aiming for two liters of water in a day, then drink half of that amount first thing in the morning. It means that you are going to, um, you're just going to feel so much better. First of all, it has similar effects to caffeine in terms of waking you up. So you, um, you'll just feel rehydrated and much better. So before you have anything to eat or drink, drink a liter of water. That'd be my first tip. Second tip would be get outside to um, expose, get some sunlight on your face, absorb those UV rays through your eyes. It'll really help with your um, with your sleep, your sleep quality. And uh, we all know that when we sleep better, then that also controls our hunger and satiety hormones. So we'll find ourselves craving less. So these are small things that you can do that are very doable, that don't require huge amounts of effort. And I think that when you start small like that, you can really um, see and feel the benefits very, very quickly. And then thirdly, it would be to just eat more plants. Try and increase the amount of fruit and vegetables that you're eating every single day and try and include different colors. So diversity is key. Great. So we have simplify and a liter of water first thing in the morning would be the first one. The second one will be getting sunlight. It'll help with your sleep quality. Is there a particular time of day that you're aiming for that sunlight or just at any stage? First thing in the morning, I have first clients thing. of mine who are like standing outside their back door with their water, just looking up at the sky, <laughs> just getting those <laughs> UV rays. So even if you're standing there in your slippers on your back step, that's fine. And then if you can get outside for a walk first thing in the morning, um, just it's it really does help because what it does is that it increases those melatonin levels. 
um, and melatonin is your sleep hormone. So it means you're going to have more of that when you need it at nighttime when you want to sleep. Great. And the third one was then eat more plants and have diversity. Yeah. So color, just eat in color. Just think color all the time. Perfect. So uh, would you mind letting my audience know where they could get their hands on your book? Yeah, sure. So it's available on my website, which is menopausenutritionist.ie. And you'll see it there on the front page. And there's a link there to click to go to the cookbook page. And it's also available on my um, original website, which is rachelgraham.ie. So I've separated the two. So you have a menopause specific website for all things menopause. And also um, on my uh, my own website, rachelgraham.ie, it's available there. So you can, um, you can get it in both places. It's also available um, in Kindle format on Amazon, which you can download on all devices, um, which is also quite convenient, especially if you're uh, commuting or traveling or on holiday or just want to have um, the recipes to hand for whatever reason I think that it's uh, very convenient as well to have it that way so it's available in both places um, either on Amazon or on either one of my websites fantastic and I'll pop a link below in the show notes um, sure. is there anything else that you wanted to um, mention Rachel not really. Um, you know, I think the dedication at the front of the book says it all for me. It's uh, I say to all the women taking action in the kitchen to prove future proof your health. This book is for you. And I do believe passionately in that it is all about future proofing your health and just seeing food as your pharmacy. Fantastic. And did you say there was a resource you wanted to share? Yes. So I have a free resource um, for you. It's basically 10 menopause hacks that you can uh, treat yourself. So I'm going to share that with you um, in or you're going to share that with your audience, um, Fiona, in your in your show notes. Well, I'll send you the link to that. Fantastic. So thank you very much, Rachel. I wish you best of luck with the book and uh, continued success. Thank you. Thanks very much. Thanks a million, Fiona. All the best. Take care. Thank you. Bye bye. Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast on Cook, Eat, Nourish with me, Fiona Staunton of Fiona's Food for Life. I'd really appreciate if you would subscribe, rate and review the podcast to help spread the word. And if you pop over to my website, fionasfoodforlife.ie, you'll find lots of recipes, videos, inspiration and upcoming courses. Thanks a million. Thanks a million.